And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 and 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my partner in crime right over there, Mr. Jason Voorhees. What's going on, Jay? What's up, brother? Doing well. How are you? Good. I'm not used to this morning thing. Yeah, and I even got my Sports and Metal coffee mug. Top of the morning to you out there. Soon to be available on our website or our Facebook page. Some new Sports and Metal merch. Here's a... One of the future endeavors, sports and metal coffee mugs. So I'll get to enjoy that since we're doing a morning show. Before we get started, Jay, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out our number one sponsor. Throw them some props. Uh, Lots of rain watches. Make sure you visit their website, www.la-tourain.com. Most beautiful handcrafted watches on the market. Go to their website. You're going to want to use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM as in sports and metal. And you're going to save 10% off your purchase. You're not going to want to miss out. La Terrain watches. Check them out. Um, Absolutely. So much big news this week, Jay. I don't know where to start. I, I didn't know if we were going to start with the lockout or the NFL. So I guess we'll start NFL. You threw the banner up. Dude, lot, lot, lot going on. I think the biggest thing of the week has to be the Russell Wilson trade to Denver. And personally, Jay, I think Denver got fleeced in this deal. I think they got absolutely fleeced for what they gave up for Russell Wilson. What are your thoughts on the trade? Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, obviously from Denver's perspective, they're getting, you know, a top. I I wouldn't put Russell Wilson right now as being a top five. He's definitely a top ten quarterback. Um, Obviously, he's capable of putting up, you know, big numbers um, and carrying a team. I mean, we saw what he did in Seattle – you know, I always say that Russell Wilson to me is a guy that's probably done more with less than any other quarterback in the NFL over the past 25 years. We agree that, there. We always have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. But with that being said, I mean, yeah, I agree. Obviously, um, it's absolutely insane to me. Uh, you know, they gave up two firsts. That's pretty, pretty steep. But then they gave up Noah Fant, who's probably their number one tight end. They gave up another player and the fifth round pick and another pick. Like it's just, uh, uh, to me, it's a lot to give up for a guy that's over age 30. And, but, and to like a lot, this is where I'm confused about it. A lot of people are saying, Oh, Denver is so close to competing. I don't even think getting Russell Wilson is going to make them compete with teams like Kansas city, even the chargers with Justin Herbert. Like I don't really see how this makes Denver a title team 
And I guess that's where I'm a little confused. Like, I get, you know, we've seen the Rams now kind of forge the blueprint for maybe what's the future to come as far as teams trading away assets instead of drafting guys in the first round, using those assets to get superstar players to actually help your team and get over the hump. We saw it with the Rams, but the Rams, you know, obviously Matt Stafford was kind of the final piece. Well, and obviously they got OBJ in season, but I, I, I'm with you, Aaron. I don't really think that Denver – I don't think Seattle – like, Seattle got a lot back for Russell Wilson. Yeah, this doesn't put Denver over the top. And and to your point, you brought up San Diego, the Chargers. While this is going on, they just got Khalil Mack. They just got better. Dude, it's, it's an arms race. And I just think – I think Seattle put themselves – obviously, they would have loved for Russell Wilson to finish his career there, right? The fans love Russell Wilson. He's done so much for that city. He's won a ring. Could have won two, if not for one bad play call. But the bottom line is this. Seattle just put – good morning, Phil. Phil Stifle, a friend of the show, says good morning. Good morning, Phil. Um, the bottom line is this. Seattle just set themselves up for the future. They got, they got draft picks. They got talent. Whereas Denver just gave up the farm for an aging quarterback. As good as Russell Wilson is and has been, doesn't I – just, I just don't see it, dude. I think Russell Wilson would have been, and I'm not saying I would have wanted it right now because I, I'm crossing my fingers for two and I don't want to give anything up, but I think Russell Wilson would have been a better fit in Miami with the weapons that are there. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I mean, bottom line is time will tell. I just think I think Denver got fleeced in this deal. Well, and once again, it it's going to be a debatable topic for, for, for a while. And and like I said, I, I, think, I think what you're seeing now, though, and, and you – like you said, you know, Chargers just got Khalil Mack. And and it's crazy to me that Khalil Mack has now been traded, you know, two times in the last three years. The guy is super talented. Like, yeah. him. I, I don't know if there's something wrong there or if the Bears are just trying to, you know, kind of change pace. I, I to, It doesn't make sense to me. But what does make sense to me is the fact that the Chargers, you know, made this deal. And like I said – I think the Rams have now provided a blueprint. I think you're going to start to see the changing of the guard as far as the way teams handle their business uh, moving forward. I think a lot of teams, you know, have been enamored in the past with first round picks and, and, and accumulating a lot of first round picks. And I think you're going to start to see a trend where instead of using those picks to draft unknown quantities or unknown players, because let's face it, in the draft, I always say prospects are suspects. Like, unless you're a top five, top ten guy, it's hit or miss, even in the first round. So I think you're going to see more teams move that way and use this philosophy where instead of drafting a guy, we'll trade our first or we'll get another first rounder and we'll use those two first rounders to get, you know, a supreme talent, especially at the quarterback position. Because once again – how many great quarterbacks are there? There's not there, – the list is short. Like, there's probably 10 guys that can carry teams. And then, you know, then you have the kind of middle-of-the-pack guys. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and in those situations, unless you have, you know, other areas of dominance, whether it be your defense or, you know, a superstar special teams, you're probably not going to – you're probably not going to win. I, I mean, it's just it, – I, I hate to say it, but – it's just hard unless you have that, you know, great quarterback. So 
Kudos to Denver for being aggressive. I mean, think about Denver. You know, obviously they had Elway in the past. Well, th- well, since you say think about Denver, I got to jump on that. Think about Denver. John Elway, and didn't he step down this year? Didn't he? He's not. I, I don't. I don't. I'm drawing a blank on that. But the bottom line is, just think of Denver recently under John Elway. They've done this before. They did it with Peyton Manning. So this is not unprecedented for them. You know, to make a big bold move for a veteran quarterback. I just don't see this one working out the way the Peyton Manning one did. But then again, Peyton Manning was coming off that neck. And he had the best year of his career. I, <laughs> so we could be I, wrong. <laughs> I know. And, 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 you know, and like I said, I'll never bet against a guy like Russell Wilson because I actually love Russell Wilson. So I, I'm rooting for him in that sense. Like, I'd like to see him have success because I, I, <clears throat> I think he kind of got screwed in that one Super Bowl, obviously, where – <laughs> it, you know, they threw the pass instead of, you know, running. Oh, insane. That's line. what I was referring to, yeah. And that would have been his second Super Bowl. So, you know, I think he's a guy that, like I said, I love Russell Wilson, so I'm rooting for him. Hopefully he does well, but I just don't see – I agree. I think Denver gave up way too much. But, well, time will tell. Time if they win tell. a Super Bowl, then – Then we're both wrong. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is staying in Green Bay after rumors that he might not or he might even retire. Four-year extension worth, I, I'm hearing upwards of $200 million. I don't know if that's final yet. He had tweeted after the rumors hit that, you know, it wasn't finalized. Leave it to Aaron Rodgers to, like, fucking spoil a good moment. You know, finally, some good p- positive publicity about Aaron Rodgers, and he still has to get on Twitter. <laughs> Why? This uh, guy, know, just keep your mouth shut, Aaron. I mean, enough. Jeez. But anyway, so, and, and obviously – um. Devontae Adams is staying, so they're keeping that dream team intact. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Jay? Well, I think it's kind of the exact opposite of, of you know, how we were kind of down on Denver's side as far as being, you know, losing out on that trade. In Green Bay's uh, position right now, bringing back Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, actually, to me, that makes them now – them and the Rams, the two favorite. I mean, there's nobody now. Like Tom Brady, with Tom Brady retiring, you look at the NFC. NFC Green Bay is, is supreme. I mean, they That's have it. Aaron Rodgers, right. the best quarterback. And shoulders. I mean, Aaron Rodgers to me, even at 38, I, I still like. I know, like, we look at this young crop uh, crop of quarterbacks, and we love to like give them love. And I trust me, I love Joe Burrow. I love Pat Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers is still playing at an elite level. I mean, he's an MVP again. Like, the guy is not, like, slowing down. So, although he's older, and and I know, you know, if you're looking at fantasy, he might not be the number one quarterback off the draft. But if you look at his numbers every year, he's been basically putting up elite MVP numbers. So, there's no way that in my mind that I'm thinking that he's going to go backwards, if you, if you know what I mean. So, I'm looking at this as a win-win for Green Bay. I mean, I love Devontae Adams. He's my favorite wide receiver in the NFL, besides obviously Devontae Devonta Smith, because obviously I gotta be a homer. But Devontae Adams to me is just I, I just love the guy. I love I love the fact that he's just always open. He always makes catches like, you know, any any type of catch that's like, you know, in question. He's always making it. He he, he just always seems to have that, you know, open availability. And I, it's funny because I look at the guy like, you know, that your Dolphins drafted, Jalen Waddle, and I'm not saying he reminds me of Devontae Adams in the sense he's not that big of a guy, but he has that kind of aura to him where he gets open and 
you know, he's obviously a target machine. I, I'd like to see the chemistry with him and, and Tua kind of become the same. Because once you have a quarterback and a wide receiver that have that kind of mojo, yeah, it just makes it, it just makes like for epic, you know, obviously it's for epic numbers. It makes things exactly. easier. You, you think of Peyton Manning with Marvin Harrison, and what was uh, Reggie Wayne? Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, like, so you just have that twice. So yeah. I agree with you on that. Green Bay, obviously, uh, yeah, they went out on that. Yeah, yeah, and then in other NFL news. <laughs> You know, the NFL every day, they're, you know, commercials about gambling, FanDuel, Draft DraftKings, this, that. And here we have Calvin Ridley, who has been suspended for the entire 2022 season for betting on football. Um, I'd be interested in your take on this, Jay. Well, so, you know, I kind of talked about this uh, on uh, Phil's show, the, uh, you know, trending in the AM the other day. And basically where my thoughts are on this is I – First and foremost, I, I believe that if you do bet on, on your sport, you, there should be a severe punishment. I agree that, you know, Calvin Ridley should be suspended. Um, where I have an issue with, with the NFL is that there's no consistency and there's no set plan. Like, like, like Phil had said the other day, in Major League Baseball, there's set parameters. So, like, if you bet on baseball, you get this suspension. The NFL just kind of seems to well, use in it. baseball, it's lifetime. Well, Let's not forget. Okay, so lifetime. But that's my point. One but, and done. But here's the point. The NFL picks and chooses how it divvies out its punishment, and that's a problem. Like, if you're gonna have punishment for things, then there should be set parameters. So if you do X, you get YZ punishment. If you do X the second time, Good you're point. done. Or whatever. There there needs to be that kind of system, and there's not in the NFL. And I know that, you know, a lot of times I talk about, well, you know, if somebody's getting suspended for betting on a sport, you know, how come people that are, you know, involved in domestic disputes, whether it be abuse or whatever, get a lesser punishment? And the reason that I say that is that I don't think betting is necessarily in it in it of itself less harmful then then they're both harmful i get the fact that a lot of people say well domestic stuff that's outside of football but that's regardless in my mind there should be if you're going to get suspended uh a full season for betting there's no way in hell that you shouldn't have a full season suspension for being involved in, in beating your wife or whatever it is like it to me it's just ridiculous that there's not any kind of consistency in that area and it pisses me off to be honest it does. i think you make good points i don't necessarily agree with you on, we've talked about this in the past we don't 100 percent agree with this as far as the domestic stuff goes but you make valid points as far as the consistency of the punishment now here's my take on it i understand calvin ridley being suspended for the year for betting on football the reason is when you're betting on the sport that you participate in you've now made the integrity of that sport questionable, okay? If I'm playing for the New York Giants and I'm betting against my team, why wouldn't everyone question that I'm not giving 100% on the field? If a ball comes my way and I drop it, did I do it on purpose because I have ulterior motives because I bet against my team? 
That's what you have to realize. That's why it's such a big deal. Without the integrity of any given sport, there is no sport. There's no reason to watch the sport. It's wrestling. It's fake at that point. It's done. It's all done. You need to look no further than the 1919 Chicago White Sox, forever subsequently known as the Chicago Black Sox. Eight Men Out, great movie if you haven't seen it. The eight guys who were suspended for allegedly throwing the World Series because they were paid off by mobsters led by Arnold Rothstein. So the White Sox, who were heavily favored over the Cincinnati Reds in 1919, lost the World Series when everybody thought they would destroy that team. And this was in an era where you could easily pick these kind of favorites. It was you know, pre-free agency. Certain teams were just far superior than other teams at that time. So you take away the integrity of the game, you have nothing. It's not that I'm saying domestic issues aren't a problem, right? But the reason I could see a domestic issue not resulting in a one-year suspension where I could see gambling on football resulting in a one-year suspension is for the reasons I just said. It doesn't mean that one isn't worse than the other because arguably domestic violence is a thousand times worse than gambling, right? I think maybe that's one of the things you were trying to say when you were saying one's not worse or one is. I think we both agree domestic violence is a thousand times worse than gambling unless you're like a complete degenerate gambler that you've completely lost your house, lost your family, lost everything. Like that's a problem too. These people need help. It's an addiction. But I'm saying in general, like, you know, betting here and there, nobody's going to you know, bat an eye at it. There's nothing wrong with it. Beating your wife, there's a major problem there. So we, we agree. We agree there, I would assume. Here's where I differentiate. I can't expect the league to lay down punishments for things that happen that have nothing to do with the league when the, that ha- would normally just be handled by outside sources such as law enforcement, right? See, that's where I disagree. That's where we disagree, you, but let me finish. But let me tell you why I disagree with you real okay. quick. Because in a normal job, if I do something that results in a – you know, if I do something serious, uh, you know, domestic wise, and it results in like a jail time or whatever, a criminal sentence, yes. I lose my job. I agree. Okay, so how can you say? I'll tell you that- how because we're talking about circumstances where criminal charges weren't filed, and not, guys not, have lost their careers. Not true. There's that been situations true. where Ray Royce criminal charges were filed, but from what I recall, and that's I was going to bring that example up, and it was on video. No, I hear me out. Hear me out. I'm not defending what Ray Rice did. Hear me out. From what I recall, the criminal charges were dropped. I know his wife didn't want to press charges. And as far as I know, they're still together. And we've heard nothing since. I am by no means defending what Ray Rice did. It was disgusting. And we just happen to see it because there's cameras everywhere in the world we live in. Not defending what he did at all. But his wife and him worked it out. And they're, from everything I know, happily married. And I've heard nothing since. And this guy's career is over just because somebody does something awful i don't know why does that mean they don't have a right to earn a living that's where we disagree now if ray rice committed like a serious crime that resulted in serious permanent injuries and did jail time obviously there's a difference there i I agree there there are fine lines but when you're talking because you're going back to why should calvin ridley be suspended at least I think that's what you're saying. I know I because I I think I came out and said I agree that he deserves a suspension. But you're saying the inconsistencies, and you're giving the, the domestic violence. Well, yeah, but but don't forget too. You brought up the point too about betting on the game, and then like betting on a game that you're playing. And well, don't forget, Calvin really wasn't playing. So you have to look at every circumstance different. The fact that he wasn't playing in the games, so he didn't have an outcome on the game. 
That to me is a little bit different. And I'm not saying that he doesn't. Deserve I, I thought, I've thought about but, that. I've but, thought about it. But to sit there and say, okay, well, if you want to pick and choose, like if you said, well, the guy wasn't, uh, you know, there was no criminal charges, doesn't mean he still shouldn't be suspended. That Now, should he be suspended for full season? I, like I said, they're, here's the thing. I think that's the problem for pointing out the gray areas that I have an issue with, and you're and you're kind of making the point for me because I did think about the Calvin Ridley thing. The difference is he's still gambling on the sport that he plays in, and to my knowledge, the team he plays for. That doesn't mean he still doesn't have an in there, even if he's not participating in the games. He still associates with the people in that locker room. That that's the difference. It directly affects the league. I could understand. The, the suspension being more severe for that. Unless, obviously, you're talking like Aaron Hernandez, like a fucking mass murderer. You get what I'm saying? Certain things to me are are meant to be handled by the law or within that family dynamic. And I don't think – I think we've gotten in a culture where just because everybody's in everybody's business, that's why it's so easy to pass judgment and say this guy should be banned from the league. How many things have happened in the last 100 years that we just didn't see or didn't know about? Dude, you hear about the Mets in the 80s, and I'm, again, not defending the behavior, but let's take a, take a look at, like, Daryl Strawberry. There are documented examples of him hitting his wife and his girlfriends at the time. Now he's, like, a completely reformed man in the church, preaches, beloved character, and is there to help all kinds of people. His trials and tribulations made him the man he is, and he, all he does is give back. So... If Daryl Strawberry played today and did what he did then, he would have been canceled. You would have never heard from him again. And he would have never had the opportunity to rehabilitate his image. That's where we disagree, Jay. That's where we disagree. I'm not defending the actions. Sometimes, like, I know Jose Reyes went through a situation where he allegedly punched his wife into – no, he never punched his wife. He grabbed her, I think, and pushed her into, like, a glass door again. That sounds awful. I'm not defending it at all, but do we know if she was punching him and he did that in self-defense? We don't know. We just don't know is all I'm saying. And he was suspended for 50 games, from what I recall. And that's why the Rockies ended up cutting him and he went back to the Mets. I just don't know why something like that, that was handled in-house between him and his wife. And again, they're still together. I've heard nothing negative since. And the law handled it. They did their investigation. Whatever punishment was handed down by the law or whatever needed to be done was done. Why does he have to be suspended from Major League Baseball? Why does he have to lose his income? See, I don't know if I'm making my point good enough to convince you, but that's where I stand on it. I, don't, I just think certain things have nothing to do with the league, and the gambling has a direct effect on the league. And it doesn't mean I'm defending the behavior, but I think to cancel dude, people. Does, that's it kind of does sound like you are defending the behavior. Hold, it hold sounds on, like on. you are defending the behavior because no, you're hold saying. Hold on, Jack. I, I got one more thing to say. So I'll basically be, what I'll you're be, saying. No, wait. So basically okay, what you're saying Let me saying just finish is, the sentence, please. So you should be able to. Bro, hear me out. So you, you should be able to beat your wife and play baseball. That's what you're telling me. Wait, why? You should be able to beat your wife and still be able to play baseball. Who said that? You just did. I did not say that. You shouldn't be able to lose your income. Because it's something that should be handled outside of the league. That's not what I said at all. I said I was giving yeah, the Jose did. Reyes example. No, first of all, there was no evidence that he did hit his wife. There was evidence that they had an argument. He grabbed her and pushed her into a glass door, which is again indefensible. But you don't know the background. What if you found out that she had been smacking him and and scratching him? We don't know. And you do hear these stories that come out. I'm simply saying it's not our place to judge. We weren't there. We didn't witness it. And I, let me make the point I was trying to make. 
these guys get canceled. That's I feel like you're disregarding that aspect. People get canceled for that stuff that we didn't witness. We have no knowledge of the background. We have no perspective on what led to the incident. And they're canceled for life in this culture that we're currently living in. Calvin Ridley might be suspended for a year for doing something that directly affects the integrity of the sport that he plays in, but he's almost certainly not going to be canceled. That's my other point. Calvin Ridley's not going to be canceled for this. He's going to serve a suspension, and then teams are going to line up for his services in a year and a half. That's what's going to happen, Jay. And he did something that we both would agree can directly affect the integrity of the sport he plays in, whereas guys like Jose Reyes or Ray Rice did something awful and never had a chance for redemption. They were canceled. Jose Reyes, not true. The Mets did bring him back. So in fairness, he did. Ray Rice didn't. Other guys didn't. I'm just, these are just examples that come to mind. And I bring up the Daryl Strawberry example because he did things like that back in the day that were indefensible. But because it was a different culture, he was able to redeem himself. And I could guarantee you Daryl Strawberry hates the person he was then, would never do something like that today. And he's here to help people. You see it every day. He would not have had that opportunity. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this or isn't this not the first time that there's ever been a suspension for gambling in the NFL? I It may be. Okay. So and this is where I'm at. And I'm not, like I said, if you remember my beginning statements when you asked me what were my thoughts, yep. I said that he deserves a suspension. He deserves it a severe punishment. I said that it was my exact words. Yes. What I'm saying is there the needs to be more consistency with the rules that the NFL uses in its punishment, whether it, it should be on paper, there should be a set thing where they say, okay, if you do this, you get this punishment. If domestic violence. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be a case to case basis. If somebody like shoots somebody or shoots a gun at somebody and, and, and they're charged with it, like that to me, you know, that's serious, right? If somebody, there's a he said, she said. Thing, I agree with that. Me. I think we kind of went off on a tangent and I'll blame myself for that. So, I agree with you. I think the reason, because you kind of mentioned the domestic stuff and I did too. I agree the consistencies and I think there are no consistencies when it comes to the domestic stuff either. So I, I agree with you and that's kind of where I was going. Maybe you I didn't guess. understand my original point, but what I did, what, I did. I went on a tangent. I guess People, what I'm getting at is that. I, I, it's just frustrating that that's one area that I think the NFL lacks. Like the NFL 100%. is superior to all other leagues in, in pretty much everything in their marketing, the, you know, their money. They're obviously the number one sport. It, like everything they do is great. But when it comes to punishment, uh, you know, and, and, and how they handle stuff, it just seems like there's like no direction and no, you know, and I don't know if it's just a lack of, I don't know if it's like, okay, we pick and choose who the player is too, because like, look at, look at Deshaun Watson. Like now I'm not saying that he obviously, he has not been charged yet, but we're going almost into the second year now and he still hasn't had a suspension. So I guess they're waiting to find out what happens and that's fine. But in the meantime, like if you're a team, would you realistically want to trade for Deshaun Watson? Cause I, we just saw no, I just got a notification the Panthers are actually uh, looking to try to trade for Deshaun Watson now. Like, you know, obviously, they're a team that he's a quarterback. Let's talk now, about that because I, I I like that you brought this up. Deshaun Watson's a great example. He hasn't been suspended yet because he hasn't been charged with anything. However, he's been on the exempt list on his team. The Texans never played him, right? He was inactive. He was on the inactive list all season. 
And obviously that makes complete sense because it's an open investigation into criminal conduct, criminal conduct. This isn't this this to me goes beyond a domestic issue, right? This is criminal conduct, criminal conduct that you know is on the line of rape or sexual assault. And should that be the case and he's found guilty of that, he's probably going to do time or have some serious consequences. And I, I could see that. I guess I'm simply pointing out heat of the moment issues that are domestic that normally wouldn't be in our living room that now are versus these type of things. I guess that's where I'm going. And, and why I was saying I understand the gambling suspension. I agree with your points. The suspensions need to be – the punishments need to be consistent. Let's move on because we could spend the whole show on this, dude. The other biggest story of the week, the MLB lockout has finally come to a conclusion. Um, and I don't know about you, Jay, but I am super pumped. <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm pumped, but I'm still pissed off. I'm a little I'm, I'm pissed, dude. I so still have that. Even they announced it, I forgave. I'm just happy to have baseball back. Uh, and trust me, I am too, but I still have that annoying anger and rage that, like, it took this long for them to wake up. Now, I do believe that they kind of felt the pressure, and I think they realized, like, if we don't get our shit together, we are going to lose a lot of people. Like, because people were, you know, a lot of people were very vocal on social media about how pissed off they were about baseball. And I'm not saying, like, we made a difference, but what I'm getting at is that I think they realized, like, dude, we better get our shit together, and we better get it done quick because, you know, it, it could be – you know, obviously, we remember we talked about '94 in in at, at nauseum uh, in length, uh, as far as you know the similarities of this year and that year, as far as the strikes um, were the lockouts, not strikes. But with that being said, yes, I am very excited that baseball's back. Um, I'm kind of anxious to see how free agency kind of starts to like get ramped up here. Obviously there really hasn't been huge news besides I saw Carlos Rodon yesterday, I think signed with yeah, somebody two years, 22 a year. Dude, that's a lot of money off of one good year, but dude, it's, it's unprecedented. The waters weren't see the minute they, they came to the, uh, the, you know, the new CBA, I forget, forgive and forgave. I'm just happy to have baseball back. And now I'm looking at the positives. We're going to get the 162 game season. They got the deal done at the 11th hour where they're going to be able to make up the games that had been canceled. Think about it. This was like less than 24 hours after Rob Manfred announced that the second and that the third and fourth series of the season had been canceled. So the, the first four seasons of the first four series of the seasons had been canceled. And then bang, we got an agreement. They're going to make the games up. We're going to have a 162 game season. So I'm super pumped about that. And now I'm looking again, looking at the positive. We're going to have an unprecedented situation where we have the NFL and the MLB free agency at the same time. And it's going to be a real frenzy here. Uh, I was looking at some comments here. I, I missed one here. I would have put up it. Moving on. Bottom line is this. I'm super pumped here. Baseball's back. Now, I have to ask you, Jay, who do you think won here? The players or the owners? <laughs> well, I'm going to steal somebody's line, but neither. The fans. The fans lost. I think both sides won. The fans were the ones that lost in the whole deal. Because yeah, obviously, dude. they both kind of made concessions. I, I don't really see how either one kind of got more what, than what they wanted. Yeah, I still think at the end of the day, the owners always win in some aspect and fashion because of obviously – them being more rich 
than the players? I don't know. What do you What do you think? I mean, I think the players clearly won here. I really do. Um, the, the, the the MLB Players Association they called MLB's bluff. They called the owners bluff. MLB had come to the table about two weeks ago and said, "This is our best and final offer." The Players Association Association walked away. They called their bluff. MLB came back a couple times with different offers, tweaked them. They kept getting closer and closer to what the players wanted. And at the end of the day, the players won big time. They, dude, now a player cannot be optioned more than five times. Whereas, so you can't have this carousel where a guy's going up and down, up and down, up and down in perpetuity. Once he's up and optioned up and down five times, that's it. He's got to stay in the big leagues. That's a big win for the for the players. Everything that that the players got helps the younger players, which is what they wanted all along. Minimum salaries going up from like six hundred and thirty thousand to like seven hundred thousand, and then going up, you know, exponentially from there over the next five years of the deal. Um, other big things I saw rookie of the year. I don't don't quote me on the exact numbers, but if you win rookie of the year, I think you get a two point four million dollar bonus. And then if you finish second, it's like a million dollar bonus. If you finish third, it's like a million dollar bonus on down through like the top five. So there's bonus, there's incentives now for these young players to make more money and get paid commensurate to their value, whereas in the past they weren't. And let's give an example. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think he made $630,000 last year. If he had won Rookie of the Year, I'm just you're throwing an example up here, and he made that salary, it would have been that plus the $2.4 million bonus, so he would have made $3 million, which is unprecedented. It never would have been that way in the past. And then also, if a player wins Rookie of the Year, they gain a year of service time, which puts them closer to free agency. So these young players made out big time here. The, it's not everything that the players wanted, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And they can't be complaining about it. Um, other things too. Um, oh, I just I had another one on the tip of my tongue. Another thing that they got, I'm, I'm forgetting. Bottom line is they got a lot of stuff here. They got bonuses. They got increased minimum salaries. Um, there's incentives for performance for young players. Service time. Oh, uh, teams can't manipulate service time anymore. Whereas, you know, for example, I think about Chris Bryant with the Cubs. When the Cubs waited until like you know two months into the season to bring him up, only so they'd lock him up for that seventh year of service time. No more of that. So I think the players won big time here. I think the fans lost when it was going on, but I think in the end, I'm not as pessimistic as UJ. I think we won because it, they got it done. It's in spring training now. If this had extended into the regular season, I think that would have changed things a lot. I think it would have been a big, big difference. Um, the fans are going to get over it, dude. They it's it's still spring training. The thing that makes me so positive after sounding so negative on this show the past few weeks is that neither one of us expected this deal to get done. When I was talking last week, I had no inclination that this was going to get done. I was convinced this was – we talked about it. It's going to be April 15th, and it's going to be May 1st, and it's going to be June 1st. We were talking about the possibility of canceling the season. So, obviously, they proved us wrong, and I'm just super pumped about that. So, Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you getting tickets – uh, up there because I, I would like to come see the Mets Phillies uh, at City Field. Field. <laughs> it's been a while since we did that. I haven't bet yeah because you came down twice to. Uh, yeah. I mean, between COVID, um, I mean it's been like I said, fans have been. Screwed. I mean, for you, I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you're a little probably. You got to remember, Aaron. You and I kind of go through phases with our teams, like. For you, you're gonna naturally be a little more excited than I am as a Phillies fan because of you know you got Scherzer and you, you made a lot of moves right you know already and it, it, you know obviously free agency isn't over, whereas the Phillies really didn't do anything. So 
Am I sitting back a little bit pessimistic because of that? Probably. I mean, wouldn't you be? It doesn't help. Yeah, but what, that, what, that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't you I be agree. pessimistic in my position being a Phillies fan, knowing how much you know I, how much I love baseball? And I guess I'm just at the point where it's like, okay, well, you know, why didn't the Phillies get Scherzer? That, that's where I get frustrated. Like, now, are the Phillies going to not make any moves? I, I mean, I, I find that hard to believe. But the pessimist, the pessimist in me is kind of feeling the effects of how they, the Phillies handle their business. They don't yeah. want to go over the luxury tax. Now, I will say the luxury tax did get jumped up. That was another thing that the players won on um, as far as, uh, you know, I think it went up $10 million, And then by next year, I think it's going to go up another 10 or 20 Yeah, that's another thing the players won on. So that's so, going to force teams to have. But here's the deal. Does it really force teams? This is where I was, like, you had asked me before what my biggest qualm was. I think there needs to be a salary floor. There needs to, or, or there needs to be a minimum that teams spend, and I, that's where I get frustrated. It's the bottom feeders that continually don't spend anything, and, and they, they say we're a small market team and we can't afford it. That's bullshit. Well, that's, that's part. That's right. part of the problem. I don't really necessarily have a problem with a team like the Yankees that spends money or whatever. If that's how they want to do their business, they don't win anyway when they do that. But I mean, that's that's besides the point. Well, times have changed. Now it's the Dodgers and Mets. Well, <laughs> But that's where I'm at. Like, I don't have a problem. I'd rather see teams go and spend money because that, to me, signifies their owners want to win. But it's frustrating when you have a bunch of teams that don't. Well, I agree with you. And that's and I where I, I, I was kind of wondering what, why they didn't continue, why no one has proposed that or why that well, hasn't I, I think it's something it. that can come in time, but I don't think the time was now because it would still be locked out. <laughs> um, you know, the bottom line is you look at the four teams – that were against the new CBA. I think it was the Diamondbacks, the Reds, um, two other teams. But it's no coincidence that these are teams that are pocketing rev revenue sharing money. The teams that don't want to spend money are the teams that were against the CBA. That you know, and that's the problem. They don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to reinvest the money. And I agree. I've kind of like for years I railed on the Yankees for their payroll, and I, I stand by everything I said in the past because back then. They were just they, they, it was the it was the early days of cable and teams getting their own like the Yankees had the yes network. No other team at that time had their own network. So the Yankees were just making billions of dollars more than any other franchise at that time. And they were able to like outspend the second like if the Yankees had a two hundred million dollar payroll, the Red Sox were second with a hundred million dollar payroll and then on down. So it was such it was so unfair. I, I mean, you go back into the nineties, early two thousands, the Oakland A's were like the Yankees farm team, right? Every freaking player that played for the A's, it was just a matter of when are they going to be on the Yankees. That's how it was. Things have changed where it's definitely evened out, and you have all these big market teams that can afford to spend big bucks, Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, Phillies, Cubs, Red Sox. These teams can all do it if they want. The Mets now are on another stratosphere since Steve Cohn bought the team because he, he's he's worth $16.5 billion. I was reading the second richest owner is worth $11.5 billion. I think the Rangers own it. And then after that, the average owner is worth about $5 billion. They're all billionaires, but bottom line is Steve Cohen's just on another planet. But all these teams can afford to invest into their franchises. They're all billionaires. And now you have the revenue sharing. That was another thing that didn't exist when the Yankees used to exploit that system. The revenue sharing wasn't there. So you're right. There's a huge problem now with these bottom feeder teams that are getting all this money from the teams that spend, and they're not reinvesting it into their teams. Hopefully that will change. Hopefully we will see that change. And it's because here's the thing. Let's look at a team like Tampa Bay, Jay. Look how Tampa Bay, had the, buck, the, the Bucks, Tampa Bay Rays have operated in recent seasons. 
they've had great success maintaining a very young, cheap core. And they've had guys that have outperformed their contracts big time. And they were basically exploiting the old CBA because they didn't have to put more, more money into these guys. When they got too expensive, they let them go. Now, let's say the Rays have this stud young player that wins the rookie of the year. They owe him another $2.5 million in, in awards bonus. So it's, it should change things somewhat. I don't know how much in the short term, but we should see some these teams being forced to spend more money just based on that. So we'll see. And then they should have more money because, like, you have teams like the Mets and Dodgers that basically have said, we don't give a shit what the, uh, the collective you know, bargaining tax is. We're going over it, and we don't care. So that money is going to be there for these teams to spend. We'll see what happens, you know. But you're right. Salary floor would be a great thing for the league. Absolutely. Dude, one thing we haven't talked about at all in the show, I know we when, when we're doing this, you know, one of the things is to get away from reality and to not acknowledge what's going on in the world. So it's been going on for a bit. We haven't mentioned it at all in the show, but there is a war going on in Ukraine. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Um, I, I don't know how many Ukrainians have been killed, but I saw even 6,000 Russian sh- soldiers have died. And they're the ones doing the invading. So, I mean, these guys are getting sent to, to, to do – you know, Putin's dirty work. It's probably got to be tens of thousands overall dead at this point. It's only been two weeks. Um, so it's a tragic situation going on in the world. And, you know, this is a sports and metal show. We're talking sports. And, you know, I, obviously, I just wanted to get into a little bit how this affects sports. Dude, did you hear about the Chelsea Soccer Club? It, you know, Chelsea is one of the great, great soccer clubs in the world. Um, they're in the English Premier League, and they're owned by Ro- Roman, Roman Abramovich. Um, I think that's how you say his name. He's a he's a Russian oligarch, multi-billionaire. He purchased the team in 2003. Chelsea has had their most successful run under his leadership because he's got all this money. So basically, obviously, all these countries are putting sanctions on Russian oligarchs, you know, and, and everything, you know, c- Corporations are pulling out of Russia. McDonald's stopped doing business in Russia. Starbucks, this and that. So finally, the UK, you know, they were being, the UK was being heavily, heavily criticized for acting too slow on this. So finally, they started freezing the assets and putting sanctions on Russian oligarchs. And one of them is Chelsea's owner, Roman Abramovich. Dude, this is insane, bro. Think about this. This is almost like, say, Jerry Jones being sanctioned by the U.S. government. And they seize the team from him. You know, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. I'm just, because I know we're not in England and we're not big soccer guys, me and you. But I'm just giving you a perspective of how big of a story this is on a worldwide stage and certainly on a national stage in England. Just imagine the owner of the Cowboys or the owner of the Yankees, the government seizing their assets, seizing their franchise. The Chelsea Soccer Club, one of the most valuable soccer clubs in the world, most successful in the world, has been seized by the English government because they're owned by a Russian oligarch who has ties with Vladimir Putin. I was reading he's also like the number one shareholder in some metal company that manufactures the steel and metal that makes all the Russian tanks that are invading Ukraine. So, I mean, I just wanted to touch on a little bit how this affects sports. I mean, this is like a crazy story to me to hear that Chelsea has been seized by the Russian, by the English government. They're being forced to sell. I saw... um, even some Americans are in the bidding um, on trying to buy Chelsea. But it's a, it's a huge story, dude. And it's like we don't think about this stuff, how it affects sports. Think of all the Russian athletes that are suffering innocently. 
that are being forced not to compete on a worldwide stage because of Russian sanctions. You know, so I just wanted to get into that a little bit, how this affects sports, because it is a sports and metal show. And I just wanted to touch on it because it's such a tragic situation. I know Jay and I were both praying for Ukraine. Hopefully this all gets resolved soon enough. But it's a scary thought when you think I was reading. They actually call London London grad because there's so many Russian oligarchs that like funnel their money into London. How crazy is that? They just because there's and it's like it's like a, a Russian playground in London, England. It, they, 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 they have so much Russian money in the banks over there. And, I, you know, I never would have thought about it. The owner of the Chelsea football football club, soccer for Americans, is a Russian oligarch that has ties with Vladimir Putin. Just put that into a perspective as Americans if that was the Yankees or if that was the Dallas Cowboys, Jay. Right? Mind-blowing, right? Yeah, I think it's hard to kind of relate and, and hard to put that in perspective because, like you said, we don't live that life every day. And honestly, that's – one thing that you know well we could i mean it's england the united states yeah but i gotta be honest with you what i'm getting at is we as americans we take everything for granted because we we live in america like we don't dude we've never dealt with a war on our soil really on that level on our soil exactly we haven't i mean obviously our ancestors people before us obviously world war one two you know obviously no that wasn't here no but my point is our soil was like the civil war but i'm saying that realistically like we haven't dealt with that kind of stuff being involved in reality on it on detached yeah i mean honestly even like you know you look back to like desert storm like we i was so young at that time i didn't really like it didn't affect me on that level because you were young and you weren't thinking that stuff. And that, you know what I'm saying? Like now that we're older, we look at these things because life is short. But my point is, is that in this country, we tend to take everything for granted because yeah. we, like I say, and I say, and I try to put it in perspective to people like that. I hear always complaining about their jobs or their, even their lives. It's like, dude, you make a living, you have a house or, you know, an apartment or whatever you, you live. You could be in these countries where this is this stuff goes on all the time. I mean, think about all these other countries have these kind of things happen on, you know, maybe every 10 years. There's there's like a war, like whether it was, you know, you know. Um, well, do you, there's always war going on in Europe. Israel, well, that's my point. So we don't deal with it. Crossing borders. We don't yeah. deal with it on that level. So realistically, it's hard to understand because you could try. But you're right. It is very serious. And I think, you know, obviously you nailed it with, you know, this is affecting sports. And it probably could get even more worse if, you know, the longer it continues. Like there could be, you could see a lot more of this kind of stuff. Oh, no doubt. I don't know how many- to your point about how we're so detached. I mean, the last time Americans really came together and wrapped their head around something like this 9/11. was 9 11. And we, we, as a country, we got so close and it's, we've been, for a good period of time after that, you know, we really rallied around each other. And everything since then has just been so divisive. Like even the COVID thing, I would split the country. We are just so detached from everything. But I digress. England is not much different than we are, right? They're our number one ally. They're an English-speaking country. They're a democracy. They're very similar to us. I'm just saying this is something that could easily happen here. It's just a, an owner of a of a sports franchise that has ties to a mass murdering dictator. I just find that mind boggling. 
when I read the article. I, I, you know, it's just it's crazy. Imagine your favorite sports franchise being seized by the government. It's just insane. And again, it, it, I have to you know think about the Russian athletes that are suffering because they can't compete, and they've done nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. Their their leader has done this to them. So it's a sad state of affairs. Anyway, why don't we move on to a more positive subject, Jay? The picks, the oh. picks of the week. There you go. <laughs> You're going first this week, buddy. All right, dude. I will go first. So I know we've all heard over the years about like when Courtney Love temporarily, briefly fronted Faith No More in their early, early stages. But it was always one of those things like you have to see to believe it. I couldn't even picture what they might sound like. It was just like, no way. So I came across loudersound.com yesterday, put a, put a piece out, where they actually had footage of a 19-year-old Courtney Love fronting Faith No More on a TV show in 1984. So it was actually able to see it. And dude, one of the things I, one of the things I took away from it was like Mike Borden already had established that drum sound. Like, like I can't explain it, but he just got that certain sound that, and then their riffs are over. He had it then, but the rest of the band, no way, dude. They were like a post-punk, new wavy, weird alt alt rock band, and not that they've they've always like mixed so many genres. They've always been on the cutting edge side of things. You know, they mix classic music, classical with thrash. With you know, doo wop. I mean, anything, any genre of music you can think of, even up until their later years, Faith No More put that into their music. They're in a very eclectic band. That's what makes them great. But just they hadn't really found their niche. And then it was like, then you see how they went with Chuck Chuck Mosley on the We Care a Lot, and then Introduce Yourself. They, they got a little more heavier, a little more funkier, and, and that leads me to my pick of the week, two. I guess if you haven't checked it out, it's on YouTube too. But LouderSound.com, you can go on YouTube, just type in Courtney Love Faith No More. I think it's been on YouTube for a year or two, and I just didn't know it because I went on YouTube too. But you got to see Courtney Love fronting Faith No More. So that's like part one of my pick of the week. Just go check that out because it's, it's worth seeing. It's amazing to see it. Faith No More fronting, of being fronted by Courtney Love. And that leads me to my other pick of the week, which is no like secret. It's their most commercially successful album. But I'm going back to Faith No More is the real thing. And the reason I'm doing that is because that album came out in 1989. This Courtney Love Faith No More footage was from 1984. And, you know, and then Introduce Yourself and We Care A Lot came out in like 85 and 87 respectively. So from 84 to 85, they went from this Courtney Love fronted version of themselves to the Chuck Mosley We Care A Lot fronted version of themselves to the Introduce Yourself fronted version where it was really just kind of funky rap. Almost like Chili Pepperish. That was like what they were at that point and then what they did on the real thing where they just like so many different genres on that album and it, it, you know the, you had elements of thrash you had all you had the it was the first album with with uh, Mike Patton and and what's so amazing about that is all the music had been written for the real thing album when they hired Mike Patton they fired Chuck Mosley and Mike Patton came in and asked if they could change anything, elongate any of the songs. And they were like, no, it's all done. You, this is what you have to sing to. And Mike Patton, I, I read, he went in there in 10 days and wrote all the lyrics to that record. And if you've listened to the real thing, dude, it's it's unbelievable. 
And again, it combines thrash, funk, hip hop, rap metal, progressive rock, synth pop, carousel music, hard pop, hard rock. I mean, every genre is covered here. And they and through their subsequent albums, they got more and more eclectic. But it started here on the real thing. And I'm just amazed at how much the band could just advance their sound in such a short period of time. Because I from 87 when Introduce Yourself came out to 89 when the real thing came out, a totally different freaking band. And, and that's what happens when you hire perhaps the greatest frontman of all time, like Pat. He's definitely on the list. But, I mean, dude, it's unbelievable that he wrote all the lyrics to that in 10 days. And the biggest hit on that was Epic. And you might remember there was the big controversy on the video when he was rapping with his arms. They had a controversy with the Chili Peppers. Anthony Kiedis thought um, Mike Patton was ripping him off. And the, the cool story behind it was that the, the Faith No More had toured with the Chili Peppers you know, prior to that. Um and they were all friends. So Faith No More couldn't believe the criticism. They were like, if you listen to our band and you listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, we sound nothing alike. So outside of like Mike Patton rapping with his shirt off, I don't see any similarities. So the big joke was that they thought maybe the Chili Peppers were creating the controversy to help the band get publicity. Because like, but it's just cool, man. It's just, I mean, you listen to the song Epic. It's their biggest, it's the, their biggest hit, but there's so much more on the album than that. You know, um, Edge of the World, we sing and dance. Got that little swing to it. Then you have Surprise You're Dead, which is like thrash death metal. They have an amazing cover of War Pigs on that album. Awesome cover. Um, so many good tunes on. My favorite song on The Real Thing is the title track, The Real Thing, which is like an epic song that has like really heavy, almost like death metal parts to it. And then it chills out a little bit. And let's not forget, this album really was like kind of the birth of new metal. Years before new metal became a thing, although nobody knew it at the time. But Faith No More was so much more mind-provoking than the knuckle-dragging bands of new metal. I mean, it was such a, a, a higher-level thing, um, which is probably why Faith No More didn't last through the 90s like some of the other bands did, because Faith No More was too intelligent to be new metal, too heavy to be hard rock. I mean, they just didn't fit into any mold. They were their own thing. Um, and while I'm talking about the real thing, if you're going to check this album, you're going to revisit it. You want to check out the 2015 Deluxe Edition, which has some tracks that were available on other compilations, um, such as the great Cowboy song. Um, but there's also like a whole live set on here. There's um, in Berlin, I'm looking Sheffield, England. There's all kinds of live tracks. Um, so many bonus tracks on here. One of them is um, Sweet Emotion which later became The Perfect Crime, which was released on the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. I think that was the film it was on. But, dude, so many great tracks. Check, revisit it, The Real Thing, Faith No More, and go on YouTube and check out Courtney Love fronting the band. But So that's kind of my dual pick of the week, dude. Just kind of revisiting dude. Faith No More a little bit. Absolutely awesome. I, Thank you, Jeff. Faith No More is not only one of my favorite bands, but that's – Honestly, the real thing is probably one of my favorite albums uh, of all time. I, obviously, one of my first albums that I owned. So, yeah, um, we were thirteen when it came out. <laughs> definitely hits near and dear to home. So, yep. uh, great pick of the week, Aaron. Thank you, Jeff. So, you went with an oldie. I'm going to go with a newbie. So, my pick of the week is actually the band Ghost, which a lot of people know. Ghost has become fast become one of the best bands around uh their brand new album just dropped yesterday and it's called impura 
And I don't know if you've heard this yet, Aaron, but let I me tell it. you. I love it. Absolutely fantastic friggin' album. Like, absolutely amazing. Like, the thing I love about Ghost is that they're diverse in their music. You know, they, they can play real heavy shit, but they can also play, you know, the softer stuff. And they have a lot of melodic tones in their in in, in, in their style. Um, basically, I, if I was going to classify this album i would say it's basically a hard rock arena rock heavy metal and pop rock album it has a, a bunch of everything um it, it's loosely based on the rise and fall of empires and it's kind of the prequel to uh their or I, it's kind of like before the era that they wrote about in the previous album prequel i would also say this album is much heavier than that album and I don't think it's a, a reach to say that this may be their best album I've ever heard. Honestly, I mean, I, I know I've only listened to it in a short time. And a lot of times with me, stuff has to grow on me when I listen to it. But early reports and my early review on this record is that it is one of their best and one of their strongest. Uh, just I've couple, listened and I agree, dude. I actually think it's their best album. I really do. Just a couple yeah. side you know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to list every every song because I don't know every song. But the first song that I listened to is called Spillaways. And I definitely got, it's crazy, but it's Ghost. And I got a Bon Jovi vibe from listening to this song. Like It sounds like Runaway in the beginning. Well, it sounds like Runaway in the beginning. But if you, and then if you listen to the whole song, the solo is basically, it sounds like Richie Sambora. Like it has his, basically his, his guitar tone. Like it sounds like a Bon Jovi song. It's like, if you didn't know it was ghost voice and it, it was Bon Jovi's voice, you would be like, man, that's yeah. Bon Jovi. Like, it's yeah. just crazy that they could play a song like an eighties glam, you know, I don't even know if Bon Jovi's considered glam eighties. Oh, they were eighties <laughs> um, rock. Um, obviously, Another song I really love is Hunter's Moon, which actually came out uh, two years prior. It was on the Halloween movie. Um, but Halloween I didn't mention that. Halloween this kills. album was actually supposed to drop in 2020, but obviously with COVID, it, it got pushed back. That was you know, the main reason why it's only coming out now. But if, if I had to say my epic track, speaking of epic, <laughs> my epic track on this record is the final track it's called respite on the spital fields amazing my god I, I i don't know how to explain it it's just one of those songs that's like nine minutes long and it's got like you know it just kind of has the slow build then it gets heavier and then it ends on a like a long solo yeah it's an awesome so, track dude i agree that's my favorite so Maybe. like i said my pick of the week Ghost, brand new album, Impera. Uh, this band has quickly become one of my go-tos and one of my favorites. Uh, I love them, and, you know, they continue to impress me every day when I, you know, I, I listen to the new material. So, if you haven't done it, go on Amazon or any streaming platform, download it. Ghost, Impera, that's my pick of the week. Awesome pick. Anyway, guys, that's going to be a wrap for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Um... As always, it's been a pleasure. Um, don't forget, check out us 
on all our social medias at Sports and Metal, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And please visit our website, www.sportsandmetal.com. There you can find previous episodes of the podcast. You can also check out our blog. And also, don't forget our number one sponsor, La Terrain. You're going to go to their website, la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. You're going to use our promo code SNM. That's SNM, like sports and metal. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. Check it out. Anyway, Jay, it's been a pleasure. Everybody out there, rock on. Peace out, everybody. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at Sports and Metal 0423 at Yahoo.com or on Twitter at Sports and Metal.